The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. John Paz, and with me as always is the star of the show, former WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, as well as one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you today? Doing great today, John. Uh, As usual, it's a great day to be here in Knoxville, Tennessee, and after an exciting weekend, couldn't think of any other place to wind up at. Nice. And I definitely do want to talk about that awesome weekend you had in the big time weekend down in Jackson, Tennessee. But first and foremost, just want to talk about a, an absolute legend in the business, an unfortunate passing, gone way too early, was a young man. He was still in great shape. Road warrior animal Joe Laurinaitis passed away. Kind of what were your thoughts when you heard this news? Uh, you know what? Uh, anytime I hear something like this, especially guys uh, as young as Joe, I mean, he, he he's 60. I just turned 61. And I think about it. Um, uh, Joe was was not a huge partier. He wasn't a big uh, uh, troublemaker necessarily, I would say, and, uh, from, from what I knew of him uh, through the years. And the the – the heartbreaking part about it is the way um i don't know i guess it's just life and and you know he was supposed to be at this uh event over the weekend too for Jerry Lawler's 50th anniversary and uh he along with uh gosh almost everybody pretty much everybody who was going to show up to this this event um i i was looking forward to see so it it's it's heartbreaking. It's sad. It's one of those things where uh, I scratch my head, I shake my head, and ask ask why 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 do things like this happen? And um, those those are pretty much the feelings I had when I heard this. I got a text. Uh, you know, I woke up at I get up at five every morning. And uh, this text came at two in the morning. Of course, I, I didn't hear it. I was already wiped out. But uh, I got the text at two in the morning on. I think he passed away on a Tuesday. I got it on a Wednesday. So I mean, the news had traveled. And when I read it, uh, I immediately text back what happened. 
and nobody knew at that time. So it, it's just it, it's it's one of those things in life that is puzzling, and it's it's a question I think everybody asks, especially um, with a guy who's in in good shape, been around uh, for all intents and purposes, great great family man. And uh, like you said, still, still in in ring shape and still going and and uh, or no, I don't think he was wrestling, but I mean he was still going to shows and and helping with uh, James Beard and I believe it's S W E that he was helping with. I'm not I'm mm-hmm. not sure of the yes. letters. Yep. Okay, uh, so you know he was involved, he was active, and uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming and. My gosh, I, I felt uh, so bad for his wife and his family when, when I read her read her uh, her post, and, and they just had a great night celebrating their anniversary, and, and suddenly um, he passes away, and and I don't know how anybody else would react except with a lot of a lot of sadness and, and curiosity as to why. What what makes sense out of this? Um, so uh, it's one of those things that that I when when it happened after the shock initially wore off, uh, you know I I just told myself that we never know. None of us know when we're going to go, and uh, I, I always when it, whenever I hear about a passing with somebody from, from the business and people I've known and people I've been around and and um you had dinner with and, and uh shared a locker room with or just, just shared um, conversation with. I I immediately think back to everybody who's passed and and then realize we all have a have a time and a place, you know, time to time to be born and time to die and and I, I don't think um, for anybody who who has family or people who who love and care about them, I don't think that's ever a an easy transition um, or an easy uh, situation to handle. And uh, gosh, what what do you say? Every, every, I think everybody was a loss for words. But uh, I, I knew both Joe and Mike when they started in Atlanta and very green and just, just getting the free, well, you could see, <clears throat> pardon me, you could see the, the potential obviously because there were huge, huge guys. And uh, Joe was the first one to come in and his look was nothing uh, like it wound up being, like it ended up being as a road warrior, but what a presence, what a, what a, uh, what a vibe they brought when they came to the ring, and, and nobody will forget when the music hit, and uh, they they ran to the ring in TV on TBS and literally just killed guys, and uh, it didn't take long, and that that was how they they were established and got over, and man, they they had a hell of a run. So very very sad, very very heartbreaking. And uh, I, I really don't know what else to say. I, I the last run they had in WWE, I got to spend uh, more time with them, and I 
spent a lot more time with Hawk than I did Animal, but Animal was there, and Animal was always Animal. Both of those guys were were so uh, a, a lot of fun to be around, and uh, they got it. You know, maybe maybe of course when you're green, you, it, it all it, it's a matter of being seasoned. It's a matter of 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 learning the ropes and. And once they learn the ropes and um, how to make the most of what they had, uh, he, my God, there was there was nobody that came even close to being what the Road Warriors accomplished. So uh, it was one of those things that, um, man, I think everybody just stopped, especially for everybody on the card uh, in Jackson. You know, every everybody looking forward to seeing everybody this weekend. I know that not maybe not everybody, but for a lot of guys, can uh, uh, see each other, reminisce, romanticize whatever we do, and you know how how do you? There there is no replacement, and there's no substitution for a guy like uh, Road Warrior Animal, one of a kind, and I don't believe there will ever be another team uh, that, that well, of course, again, the models changed and the world changed, but I, I was going to say I don't think there's ever going to be another uh, team like the Road Warriors that captured the imagination um, the way they did when they first came out, and they formed their team. But, uh, uh, you know, I, it, I, it all remains to be seen. Am I allowed to ask who that text message you got was from? Yeah, it was from a brother, and um, uh, he, he just he, he it was it was a simple Joe Laurinaitis passed away, and it was at two oh eight, and you know when I'm getting up in the morning, I uh, first thing I do, um, you know, look at my phone, and there it was. So uh, obviously he was up. And I guess uh, a lot of people were up still. So it's been a long week. I mean, for a lot of people. I mean, my gosh, I, I can't imagine. I can only imagine. I guess the 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 Laurinaitis family um, and what they what they've been going through and dealing with all week. So uh, and, and along with the the friends and and uh, uh, people who Joe was very close to. So, what do you do? What do you say? Yeah, it's absolute uh, shocker. I actually, through the years, I mean, we booked him uh, a few times. You know, through the years, became very, very friendly with him. Um, he was such, like, a nice, down-to-earth guy. And a buddy of mine, uh, my buddy Vinny, became really close with him because years ago, uh, Animal had lost his spikes. I mean, going back years – didn't know what happened to him. Apparently, Hawk had stolen them, you know, for maybe some extracurricular activities. Don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. get in too far into that. But my buddy bought them off of somebody that bought them off of Hawk. So this whole long thing. So uh, somehow he realized they really weren't Hawk spikes. I guess the size of them, they were, they were wider or whatever. But somehow he realized it. So he sees Animal. Uh, you know, we, we meet him at like a, a book signing, I think it was, or an autograph signing years ago. And he tells Animal, and Animal's like, oh, my God, those, those are mine. He goes, boy, they're a little bit wider. You know, he's explaining everything to us and explaining everything to my buddy. 
and those were his spikes. Those were like his his awesome gold spikes. If you know, you remember uh, SummerSlam and old school WWF and all these cool uh, vent, uh, venues and events he had with these cool gold spikes. So my buddy just gave them to him. He said, "Here." He goes, wow. he goes. So he goes, "What do you want? Five grand, ten grand? What do you want?" My buddy goes, "No." He goes, "You just have them." So ever since then, Animal was like buddies with him. You know, text him all the time. He'd you know, he'd give him free stuff. Like I remember he gave him tights that he wore in like WrestleMania and tights he wore in Japan. Like, he has all these like you know cool road war memorabilia. But he just loved my buddy because he gave him those spikes. So by proxy, I became close to them. He was so cool. I remember last year, the last time uh, I got a chance to work with him, we literally prank called my buddy. Like, I mean, he's such a down to earth, like funny guy. Like he's like, right. oh, let's, he's like, let's, let's prank Vinny. Let's fuck with him. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I was like, Oh my God. I go, this is, you know, me as a super fan, I'm like road warrior animal, like one of the greatest ones. <laughs> We're pranking my buddy. So it just shows you how funny and down to earth he really was. Yeah. But you know what? That was, um, during, during the, uh, the period that those guys broke in in the early eighties, the same time I broke into, um, it, it was the culture, the, the attitude, the atmosphere, um, the, the inv- everything, man. Uh, the environment where they broke in, uh, you know, they, they they were trained by Eddie Sharkey in Minneapolis or uh, right outside of Minneapolis, somewhere in Minnesota. Let's just say that. And when when they got around a group of guys, especially in Atlanta, and later on, uh, knowing the group of guys that was um, it, with that were in Charlotte. You know, it was it was such uh, a lot of it was a lot a lot of fun. It was a lot more fun than than I I, I think the guys are having today, and for various reasons. Once again, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll never forget how entertaining. And you talk about down to earth, hacksaw Jim Duggan is, and. You know they they were around guys like like that and, and uh, Dr. Death Steve Williams uh, for for all his intensity and and uh, you know hard nose and, and tough guy image what a lot of fun and and you add to that uh, you know uh, the, Ivan Koloff and um, uh, God I'm, I'm I'm brain dead right now. Uh, Nikita, I was trying to think of Nikita, and Darso, and, um, you know, they they all came from Minnesota, they all came from the same uh, place, and once they got mixed into this crazy business, um, while they were intense, yes, uh, the, the real magic and the real way this thing kind of gets and comes together, as I'm, I'm sure you're aware, is is back in the locker room and the camaraderie and, and, and the, the relationships and going over the matches or going over ideas or, or coming up creatively with some some uh some thought process that just happens and then uh you you try something new out there and and you you, you gauge the reaction and you either keep it or you lose it and uh you know I I was I was listening to uh, Jim Cornette's podcast coming back home today, and and he reminded everybody about the the scaffold match that he and the Midnight had, and Jimmy took that bump off the scaffold, you know, and you know, once again, it was that culture, it was that love and passion uh, for all five of those guys, 
you know, when when you had um, the the Midnights, the Road Warriors, and Jim Cornette all going out there and, and fighting on how you know how high the scaffold was billed as being, or how high it actually was. I mean, I don't I don't know, but it was pretty daggum high. Mm-hmm. And yep. and Cornette took that bump off the the scaffold for him, blew out his knee, and um. It was yeah, I don't I don't know how to explain it, but it was one of those those things that code when you go to the ring. You you understand that 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 what's going to happen is going to happen, but there are times when it doesn't happen exactly the way it's supposed to happen, and and things can go. Uh, you hit the fork in the road, and you either go this way or that way. And and with the Road Warriors, um, I think probably in the beginning, and even maybe later on, there there were chances in in, in people's heads that they weren't show, sure if the Warriors knew how to stay uh, on the same path that they talked about before we they went out in the ring, you know. And and it is a trust, and it is a uh, uh, a system and a code that uh, you, you you're going out to create this match. You're going out to create this, this moment and give everyone watching uh, something they'll never forget. And when you had two guys that look like animal and Hawk, uh, no matter who they got in the ring with, um, you, you couldn't take your eyes off the warriors because they just had this, this um, magnetism and this presence when they went out. But it was in the back, as you as you well know, after after we become close to him, it was in the back to where, you know, in the confines and in the the security and and uh, refuge of the locker room where you could be yourself and loosen up and have fun and joke around and talk and and man, uh, guys like that who who are legit badasses being able to loosen up and have fun. And play around, you know, call call your friend and rib him. Hmm. I mean, that that's that's um, when when you know how to do it right. And and both uh, uh, both Mike and Joe knew how to do it right, and they love the business. And uh, uh, nobody's perfect. Not saying that at all. But but those guys had something special about them, and. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I think it was a big shock, and uh, and I'm sure uh, a lot of heartache for for a lot of people this week. Yeah, the shock is definitely because he's one of those guys. You know, when you go to the conventions and you, you know you look around, it's like, man, look at Road Warrior Animal, still in great shape, and it looks great, and looks young, and you know what I mean. It's like he was one of the guys. You know, you you would if you looked around the room, be like, oh, look at him, he's in great health. You wouldn't think at all that he would pass. Just crazy to think about it. Well, no, no, you really wouldn't. And uh, that—that's the shocking part, and and I would even say startling part about it because you just don't know. And um, you know, I, I saw Teddy Long this weekend, and he looks the same as he ever has. And you know, I remember uh, a couple of years ago Teddy saying he's he, when people come to the conventions, they want to see Teddy Long. They don't want to see you know, a big bloated balloon. And, and he, Teddy would do the hour cardio every morning and he still does it. He's, uh, guys like him and, and animal and, 
and everybody else who who did their part to do their part in staying in shape and, and understanding when people come to the conventions or or see you uh, at a show wherever it may be they uh, you know they understand that the, that the gray hair is going to come and 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 things like that but I also think. Uh, the cool part about it is seeing guys that that would stay in shape and seeing guys who still maintain that uh, regimen or, or or attitude that uh, it, this is a lifestyle and and still maintained it. So yeah, I I agree. And every time I would see him, the last time I saw him uh, was in oh right outside of Nashville uh, where the bases were. Uh, Jack Stain and Crimson. Yes, Crimson. Uh, what, what is Clarksville, Tennessee? They, they, uh, he was managing them against the new Heavenly Bodies, you know, and and I came in to to be in Heavenly Bodies corner, and it's like, okay, I get it, but but he, but uh, again, to to be able to still enjoy it and to be able to still be able to stand there and, and talk to fans and talk to people who appreciated the Road Warriors because the the Warriors the Road Warriors were special. And you know, once you lose one half of the team and you're the, the, the last guy standing, um I I could be wrong, but my 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 feeling is people want them to talk to you even more so and then bringing up memories of, of Hawk and bringing up memories of of great matches they had, knowing uh, when when you hear it, you know, I know when I was hearing it, uh, people would bring it up. It, it would bring back memories for me, but here was a guy who changed uh, the business, and, you know, they, they, they brought it on, and they were uh, something like, of course, for that time, they'd never been seen before, and I don't think we, we've seen a team like them since. So, he he was it, it it's it's crazy how life happens. Sixty years old, you know, looking at it now from this perspective, is is way too young. But you know, when when you're twenty, hell, even when you're thirty, uh, sixty years old is old. And while yeah, it, it's old these days with with being able to to stay in better health, being able to eat better when you when you apply yourself, and just being aware and more conscious of um, you have your choices in life. You, you know, you, you are able, or some people are able, to, to maintain a, a semblance of what they look like prior prior to turning 60. And But we never know when it's our time. And who knows, you know, a heart attack is a heart attack. And my gosh, I've known people who, who've had Anywhere from one to four heart attacks. And I, that, that's, again, something I can only imagine. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I really, honest to goodness, I don't know what else to say. The, last, the, the times I was around them, and especially their last run at WWE, uh, they were a lot of fun. and But they were always fun to me, and, and they were always great. Did you ever wrestle the Road Warriors? I couldn't find anything. No. Uh, uh, oh, no, you never did. No, okay. never did. Never did. No. It was around them in the beginning for, for I guess, the first uh, the first time Joe came in. Then, then I think two weeks later, Oli brought in Mike. Um, and then I was out. 
So, and the next time, I don't recall the next time I I ran into him, might have been in Japan, might have been, might have been in Memphis when when they came for one of the bashes. But no, never wrestled them. But uh, uh, <laughs> but like I said, I I, I shared a few beverages and mm-hmm. and uh, you know had 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 a blast, had a blast being around them. Their energy was cool. Their energy was great. And, uh, you know, Hawk especially, regardless of what people think, he, he really didn't take himself that seriously when he was when he was backstage. But, uh, you know, I believe there was a time, as with everybody, especially big guys like that, you know, you, you, you're not sure who to trust, why to trust, and how to trust. And yeah, it's a process. So uh, I don't think – well, I don't think, but uh, it remains to be seen because – you know, we're not done yet, uh, but I, I, I don't think anybody can touch the, the Warriors, the Road Warriors legacy, and I'd be surprised if anybody could uh, uh, can match what they've done, you know, but but again, that, 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 that remains to be seen. Now, as far as the other kind of topic I wanted to talk about was, you know, much more of happier times. And obviously Animal kind of coincides. He's supposed to be at this event. But the 50th anniversary of Jerry the King Lawler down at the ballpark in Jackson, Tennessee. How did all that go down? You know, I've got to tell you, this is is uh, one of those times that uh, really made me miss uh, the way things were. Because – we, we got there, and, and and I knew it was going to be a lot of people. I I, I I was looking forward to seeing Tommy Rich and Doug Gilbert, especially. You know, Tommy again is one of those guys who <laughs> uh, we we were, we were messing with him this weekend about. You know, dude, of of all the people that we we thought uh, needed needed some help. Or, or, or we didn't know, you know, we, we just, Tommy has been all over the place. Tommy's Tommy. And anybody that knows Tommy knows that, that, that my gosh, you know, fire up, wildfire. He, he is, he's another guy who defies the odds a lot of times. And uh, when we got there uh, to the ballpark, I was, I was really looking forward to it. And I, um, uh, Justin Savage rode with me, drove actually, and we went down, and and I was determined to have a great trip going down because uh, this is this is all part of the the business, uh, having a good road trip, having a great time in the car, having a great time when you get there, having great matches, and um, enjoying it, and and getting that aspect, getting the elements of of. Uh, you know, catching catching something backstage that that somebody said and and making you think or or listening to a promo and you know we got there, gosh, a little before three o'clock and uh, they were telling everybody where the tables were and uh, to go upstairs uh, on one lobby one one part of the of uh, the ballpark and and the head table set up and but I went in the in the they had a clubhouse where we dressed, I went in there and, uh, you know, talked to some people and we, we just, the, the conversation just, uh, couldn't even tell you how it started, but, but we started talking about, um, uh, 
nothing and everything all at the same time. Bruno, downtown Bruno was there. Jerry Calhoun, Dory Funk Jr. was there. I didn't, didn't see Terry, but, um, uh, you know, we, I looked around and, uh, finally Doug and Tommy got there. We talked a little bit. I went upstairs, signed some, some stuff. Came back down, got back in the locker room. Doug Gilbert is sitting at a table with Bruno, uh, Jerry Calhoun, the old referee from Memphis. And Dory was sitting there with Marty. And uh, uh, Doug was Doug is just telling story after story. And if you've ever met Doug Gilbert, that's just what he does. And, and um, he, he, he doesn't stop. He keeps rolling. And, and so, of course... I, I pulled up to the table, sat down, and he starts telling a story about the time we're we're riding down the highway with uh, uh, Masachona. Masachono is driving the car. I'm in the passenger side, and and Doug's behind me, and the dirty white boy's behind Chono, and Doug keeps popping me in the back of the head, and and uh, I said, Chono, in in 20 miles, I want you to let me know, you know, when we hit 20 miles, hit that odometer. And Chono acted like he didn't understand English, but then he he just do the knothead and go, oh yes, yes. And uh, so Doug kept messing with me, and uh, Chono finally looked at me and says, ah, oh, come on, twenty, twenty. And I said, okay, cool. Doug had no idea what I was going to do, but I reached around, grabbed his hat, and I threw it out the window. <laughs> and 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 Doug was so hot, he was so hot, but he wouldn't do anything, couldn't say anything. And you know, you know how you, some people they collect hats, and it's it's you know from this place or that place, and that's kind of what it was. But I was just doing it because that's again that was what we did back then. That's how we played. That's how we messed around. But but then he started telling other stories, and I would tell stories. And in downtown, Bruno has a book, and Bruno's telling a story about uh, you know. Oh. He started on one thing or another. I said, "Well, yeah, you buried me in my book, but but I didn't do what you said I did." And what what Bruno contends that I did, which I really didn't, and I've and I've said this over the years. But again, this is the locker room, man, and this is what was missing because we're 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 engaging in talk other than hey, what's that spot we're going to do? By the way, let me let's go over it fifteen times. Let's go over another fifteen times. We only have three minutes. We only have six minutes, but we're going to go over this match at least thirty times. We weren't doing any of that, but of course, we've all been in the business for for a long time, and we should know what we're going to do. But but you know, years ago, <clears throat> excuse me, in uh, Memphis, we would uh, get on a bus, a tour bus. Everybody would meet at a, a parking lot in Hendersonville, leave our cars there. Everybody would knew to look the, the I think it was a Kmart or Walmart. No, it was Kmart, I think. They knew to watch our cars. But we would get on a bus Thursday night after our show, and uh, the bus driver would drive all night. We'd have the beds and, and bunks and things like that. Uh, but most of us just stayed up all night. And we'd drive to the Dallas Sportatorium and do – do the shows Friday, and then sometimes uh, some of us were booked Saturday in a Texas or, or town or around Dallas, and then uh, we would have somebody. We would either drive back or fly. Uh, we wouldn't fly. We'd have somebody drive us back. On this particular evening, you know, we drove down, did Dallas, and then um, we stayed over. Or anyway. It, 
we stay, we, we, Bruno, I'm sorry, Bruno had drove Jeff Jarrett's car uh, that Friday night after the matches. He drove Jeff Jarrett's car to the uh, Sportatorium Medicine Dallas. And it was Danny Davis, myself, Jeff, and downtown Bruno going to go to the town, stay over, work the town that Saturday night, and then drive back to Memphis. Well, Bruno had forgot or didn't fill up Jeff's car. And uh, we had beer on ice, but he didn't get gas. And Danny was hot at him, so we were looking for gas because – the gas stations were closed on Friday night for some reason in in where we were headed. And we were getting pretty low when the light had come on. And Danny's pissed. And uh, we stopped to get out and go to the bathroom. And, and Danny had drank half a beer, bottled beer. And he filled the rest of it with urine. He pissed <laughs> in the beer. Saved the cap, put it back in, and iced it down. You can see where this is going. Well, uh after about, I don't know, it had to been an hour, it had to been a little while. We got gas, we found gas, and now Bruno's happy and everything's good. And, um, you know, Danny's teasing him, saying, would you like a beer? You want a beer with this nice cold beer? Uh, and, and milking it, milking it. And finally, the beer was cold enough that Danny had pissed in, and he hands it to Bruno. He He opens it, but when he opens it, he opens up a, fresh beer for him and, and but he hands it to Bruno like that that was when he opened. And Bruno takes a sip and he goes, Yeah, this tastes kinda of salty. He goes, Oh yeah it does. We'll try it again. She takes another sip and goes, Oh shit, that's piss and he threw it out the window. And and he laughed. Everybody laughed. Bruno thought I did that and I told him, No, no. <laughs> I didn't do that. Danny did that, but he was, he, and I, I, again, we go through this every time we, we talk. So anyway, the, the stories, and it was, uh, uh, it was genuine, uh, deep down laughing and, and just, just having a good time. Um, it, it, I, I don't, I ask the guys all the time, do you guys have fun in the locker room? Do you guys talk in the locker room about anything besides, what what spot you're gonna do or what video game you played and and pretty much the answer is no because everybody's nervous and trying to get their stuff down and and, and get everything right. I understand that as a rookie, I understand that when you're green, especially because you want to make sure you do everything perfect. And in this day and age, it's a whole different animal than than it was and uh, we were uh, coming up. But last night. Um, you know, one of the, it's one of those things where you, you would walk in the dressing room, nonstop talk, nonstop. I, I sat and talked with Dory Funk about Amarillo, uh, for, for about 45 minutes and talking about the various angles and, and just, just bringing up again, romanticizing or, or, uh, reminiscing, whatever you want to call it, you know, and, and, and. I brought up some old names, and he couldn't remember the name of the Infernos manager, and I said, J.C. Dykes. And he said, yeah. And he would throw fire, and they had the loaded boot. And I, you know, so, so here I am talking to the, the uh, former NWA champion that I grew up watching, that I, as a kid, remember watching Saturday afternoons right after roller derby. And I told him about a book, Dick Bourne, 
uh, is coming out with in October about the old NWA. Crown Jewel. The crown, yes. yes. Yes, and I, I sent an email to Dick uh, with the picture I had of Jack Briscoe with the, the older belt. So I didn't know if he knew about that one or not. And he said he did. He sent me the picture that he had on Jack, but I told him this was when, with Wahoo. This was published in Wrestling News. He actually said, oh, I'm going to put that in my book. It's coming out in October. And I was telling Dory about it. He says they're going to talk about the history of that belt. And uh, so Dory said, you know, I – do you know what happened to the belt? And I said, yeah, you told me when, when Sam Watson's wife died, uh, the belt was over his, over his fireplace. And, and at the end of the night, it wasn't. And Dory says, yeah, I don't want to say what I really think happened to the belt because I could be wrong and I don't want to say it and be wrong. And I thought, yeah, I've heard, I've heard other um, conspiracy theories too of, of a couple people that might have uh, snatched it and took it somewhere, but you know the the other rumor is it, it's in Japan, and I don't know, man. But but I mean, those conversations were going on last night, and you, and you would leave one place and you'd walk. I would I would try to walk in to go get dressed, and somebody else would start talking, and it was it was it was just a really good uh, connection last night, and and you know it was one of those things we I, we worked with. It was supposed to be D'Lo Brown. Tony Atlas and me against uh, three of our JPWA students. It was against the Brothers of Seduction, Jake, the mother lover, Tucker, uh, Cam, the Prince, and Dylan McQueen. Well, uh, D'Lo was sick, so L.T. Falk was his replacement. And L.T. has been wrestling a while. He's Tony Falk's son, and I think he's probably been wrestling 10 years. And, you know, a, a, a pretty decent worker uh so that wasn't wasn't a problem but we would we talked about some things and tony was out signing we're on second and uh you know i i still haven't got dressed and finally i i, I knew i had to go get dressed and then i went through a room and tommy came in and we started talking and, and it was it was a lot of fun seeing him a lot of fun talking and I'm, I'm getting dressed and and then who walks in? Robert Gibson walks in, and, and we we start on something else. And finally, they say the first match is out, and I've got my one boot on. Uh, okay, so I've I've got to hustle because I know we're not we got nine matches. You, you it's not going to go long. I hope. Well, you know Tony still wasn't back, and he hadn't been dressed. So now. Uh, the, what I learned though is the first match hadn't gone on. They'd done the ceremonies. I think they did the ten bell, ten ten count uh, with the bell for Joe. But you know Tony's coming back, and now he's putting on his boots. And the other guys are actually out on the golf cart, ready, getting ready to go. And and uh, uh, so so as Tony's getting dressed, uh, I'm trying to explain to him what we've come up with. And uh, then LT starts explaining while I'm explaining. And, and Tony kind of got on him and said, hey, kid, shut your mouth. A veteran's talking. And I would never say that. But, but, but that, was a, that was a lesson in the locker room, too. If, if somebody was talking out of turn, somebody would say, kid, shut up. So Tony tells a story about I've been working three years straight, seven days a week. And all of a sudden, after three years straight, I'm in the locker room and – and I'm there with, uh, I forget, 
might have said Abby or somebody, and, and he goes, hey, I know what, uh, what would look good. And they said they picked up his chair, Tony said, they picked up my chair with me in it and put me over in the corner. Now, whether that's a true story or not, you know, wrestlers have never been known to embellish at all. Hmm. But, but, you know, Tony got the point. LT got the point. Uh, be quiet because I'm trying to explain to Tony because um, I don't, Tony's never seen my guys, doesn't know, doesn't know who they are, what they are, anything about them. And they were nervous about that too because they, they didn't get a chance to sit with everybody and, and make sure everybody was on the same page. So this was a great learning experience uh, for Dylan McQueen, Jake Tucker, Cam the Prince for, for this reason. They, they they knew what we had talked about, but they hadn't said anything to Tony. Now they go to the ring first, and I and and somebody comes back and says the heels are going to the ring. I said great, and we hadn't still hadn't connected with Tony, hadn't got everything done, but but finally we said we'll just call it out there. So these guys, as we get in the ring, um, I'm trying to tell them just listen, pay attention. And, you know, there was a couple missteps, but overall, everybody did great because that's how you learn. You go out there and, and uh, Tony says, can I start? I, I got some stuff I just want to call. I said, by all means, go right ahead. And now they're looking and, and, and Tony's trying to lead. And, and uh, <laughs> he said one thing and, and Mitch didn't, uh, Jake Tucker didn't get it, but, but the second time he did get it. And the second time and third time, they, they finally got a, got a flow going. So um, that, it was a great learning experience, I think, for everybody in the ring. And that's, that's what it used to be, uh, learning. And, and the way you learn is by, is by messing up, screwing up, and, and noting it, taking it into account, and learn from there. Don't do it again. Just, just if you do, just remember it again. And repetition, repetition, repetition. The problem is you're not working every night, so you're going to forget about it. And, and it really is just like muscle memory. you got to do it over and over and over and over for, for not just days and weeks or months, but years. And this was a great opportunity for those guys last night, and they, they, they came up with some great ideas. I, I salute their creativity. I salute them for, for going out there and busting their ass uh, the way they, they, they did. And I'm talking about, again, the brothers of seduction, Jake and Cam, and then you have Dylan McQueen. So that was, that was uh, you know, L.T. Falk, again, was, was at our partner, but he, and he got the win at the end, as he should. And, um, you know, it was all about timing. It was all about feeling. You know, at the end of the match, uh, Tony grabbed the microphone and, and said, you know, I kneel for God and I stand for the flag, which – brought everybody to their feet and he said the pledge of allegiance, you know, in Jackson, Tennessee. And I thought, okay, well, that was cool for the second match. I just didn't want to take all this time for the nine matches because, uh, you know, I didn't want to be the match that, that held everybody up, but, but it worked. It was perfect. I thought, then we came back to the back and, and once again, um, you know, thank everybody. And, 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 uh, I believe Doug started on another story and it, and it never ended. It was that camaraderie and that uh, uh, part that people don't have the opportunity to experience or see or recognize 
that happens in the back in the locker room. Um, and that's, that's why I say what happens in the ring is just a minuscule part of what this business really is about. Because if you're an asshole in the back, if you're a prima donna in the back, and uh, you're hard to work with, nobody's going to want to work with you. And unless you open up your own uh, promotion, you're pretty much going to be outed and ousted. And uh, I saw Lawler briefly just, gosh, he was all over the place too. So it it was a busy night for everybody. I don't recall ever, uh, you know, I I tried to watch some of the matches and then somebody would come over and stand and and want to talk and I didn't want to be rude. Uh, But but about... (laughs) About seven matches in, I'm, I'm like, dude, man, I really just want to watch the rest of these matches. Reggie B. Fine was there, Coco Ware, Coco B. Ware, Jimmy Hart. I talked to, you know, talked to them. Uh, Glenn Jacobs, Kane showed up last night uh, for a signing. Uh, Luger, Bobby Eaton, Barry Windham. I mean, it was. That's that's what's missing today, in my opinion, is. The guys who really love and have passion for the business um, and not so much the video games or the spot fest, but we go out there with a different premise. We go out there with the premise of we are creating an illusion and it's a simulation of combat. We're not, they may not believe we're going out there and and, uh, competing for real, but we're going to give you the illusion at least do a damn fine job of uh, laying everything in, making it tight, and then coming back to the locker room and and feeling really good uh, and encouraged, if you had a good match, um, that, that you did a great job because that's what the job was, to go out and do that. And then, you know, to, to know that you had this uh, – a whole nother world that you can come back and, and talk about and uh, recap what you did and remembering how you felt as a fan and what made you want to do this. And somebody said last night, every with every graduating class, you know, the, the business evolves, you know, the seniors uh, graduate. Well, when, when Hogan, and Savage and all those guys came in. They were they were following Strongbow and Bruno and 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 that that group of people. Uh, you know, then it was Piper's Hogan, Savage, and that crew. And then when they they went away, it was Austin. Uh, you know, DiBiase was in both classes, I guess. But you know, Austin Rock, and and after that, um, I don't know who followed Rock and those guys. Like Cena, Batista, like right. that era, Orton. Okay. So who followed them? We'll right. See if, there you go. Yeah, uh-huh. see if we can remember. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, it, it 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 really is getting to that point where this is what it is, and um, while it it is it, the, the guys work hard, and I'm not saying it's terrible, I'm not saying it's horrible, uh, but it is coming from a different preface. It's coming from a different place in your heart. I think when you walk out there and you think. Well, I have to do some really cool stuff, and the people like me because I can do some really cool stuff. But you have to look 
the part. You have to be the part, and you have to to go out and, and, and that again. I think a lot of that starts in the locker room with somebody telling a story about something, or or saying something that catches your ear, or 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 seeing something. Man, the boogeyman was there last night, and and he was telling me, and honest to goodness, I I don't remember this, but it, I'm, it's possible. That, that I was talking to him about footwork before. He said uh, it was me and Lance Storm when we would come to OVW for the week uh, uh, when we were in talent relations. We would come for the week-long evaluations and seeing how everybody was doing. And he said, you really worked with me on footwork, and I'll never forget that. And I thought, wow, okay, because I worked with a lot of people on footwork. I worked with a lot of people on just pacing and and distancing and and timing of course wrestling's an opinion so what i say is my opinion what somebody else says is theirs and and there's this way or that way but the right way does not exist there's 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 just your opinion my opinion nothing else in stone but but what works for you works for you and um it, it was it was it, it it's a different it, it's a whole different vibe today and i missed it uh, for so long, when I fell into it last night, God, it was it was again nonstop laughing, nonstop. There was no moment of awkward silence. It was all uh, <laughs> one story after another. If we didn't have a good story, somebody made it up, but it wasn't made up. And after the matches, we went to a place called uh, the Blacksmith. You know, restaurant in Jackson, and and had a bunch of people there, and, and Tommy and Doug or and, and me were, were sitting there just um, again reminiscing and 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 looking back on the business, and we weren't knocking anything. We we were just we were just talking about old times, and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, and you know, at the the main event match that everybody came to see. The Rock and Roll Express and, and Jerry Lawler taking on Matt Riviera and Tommy Rich um, uh, and Doug Gilbert. And and they came to the ring. Uh, you know, the the heels, Matt Riviera drove his car and had his manager out the sunroof with a big uh, picture of Matt, you know, the big face that everybody carries of Matt Riviera. And then Tommy and Doug came in a, SUV with the sirens on, you know, down the ballpark. wasn't a big ballpark, but but that was their entrance. And then uh, Lawler came out on a horse, and and you know, so they tried to make it as spectacular as you could during these times. I mean, it was social distancing in the stands and uh, stuff like that. But the cool part about Tennessee is they still got excited for Jerry the King Lawler, who had been doing this for, oh, well, 50 years, but when you think about it, that was just 50 years from when he had his first match, but he had loved this his whole life, and uh, so over 50 years of of loving professional wrestling. He took a backdrop last night. Jerry Lawler took a backdrop from Doug Gilbert, and I thought, oh, my God, why? But But he did it because he loves it. And and no, he's not moving the same way he used to 30 years ago. But the son of a gun still was moving. He still had the body language. He still had that passion. And everybody in that match 
You could feel it. And you know when you're watching it if they're feeling it because you're uh, that that's what I'm watching for. That's what I'm I'm looking for. I'm looking for the feeling so I can feel it back. Uh, when a performer gives it his all in the ring, I, God, man, I, I feel it back because I, I I can appreciate. I can appreciate especially the guys uh, who were in there last night, going in and working their ass off and. Uh, and getting the reaction they got. And I think everybody knew what it was. Everybody understood, look, we're not looking at any 20- or 25-year-old kids in here, but they were watching Legends. And and that was uh, that was very nice to see the, the respect from the fans that um, uh, they gave gave everybody, from Ricky and Robert to, to Lawler uh, to Matt Riviera, Tommy, and, and Doug. I mean, it, it, was, a, it was a really – Cool night, and I text Bert and and just said thank you for having me on the card uh, because it it really reminded me of how bad I missed that locker room camaraderie and just just the the feeling of knowing that that someone is is reading things the same way you are and man once again I I, I hate to keep bringing him up but I but I have to. Because Jim Cornette comes from that era, and he's very passionate and very set in his ways about the way wrestling should be. Right, wrong, or indifferent, he's certainly entitled to his views and opinion. Um, and I, 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 it reminded me more so last night of, of exactly what he's saying when he says it. It was a different breed. It was a different attitude. Um, back then, and it was a different world. So, so we can't live in that world anymore. But we can still have the passion. We can still have the camaraderie. We can still have it. Um, if you understand what it is, if you understand what the business is, and and of course it's changed. And uh, I, I don't know if it's about reinventing, but it certainly is rearranging. And. Um, it, it just the problem is you're not with each other five to seven days a week. You know you may get booked three times on the weekend, but the rest of the time you're doing a real job and trying. Some guys are trying to get in the gym, but but you know others aren't. You know back in those days that was your job: be in the gym, go to the town, look like a pro, act like a pro, be a pro. These days it, it seems like it's a lot of part-time guys. Well, it is part-time guys, hopefully trying to get a contract somewhere. They say that, but do they really mean that? Because I ask a lot of guys, do you really understand what that means? <laughs> when you're talking about wanting to work for a big company or wanting to work for anybody and be a wrestler full-time, it ain't easy. And especially these days, it's harder, uh, I think, than it was back then because you don't have the veterans who will teach you like Tony Atlas did with the Brothers of Seduction and Dylan last night. You know, Tony was actually giving them a lesson in the ring, and they caught on. I mean, uh, they still rushed in places, but but that's that's expected because they're they're less than a year in the business, and the learning curve is um, higher or or, um, or lower than it was, I guess. So, uh, Lawler. Man, 
I thought it was a fitting tribute. I thought Burt Prentice did a hell of a job. Uh, just putting that together with all the, the appearances last night and and the guys who who were upset because they weren't on the card and and trying to deal with all that stuff, you know, you, you I, I sure as hell wouldn't want to be a promoter. But um it was it was a, a nice tribute. It was a nice uh, gesture. It was a nice way to celebrate uh, a guy like Lawler's um, 50th anniversary. And man, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm I was proud to be a part of it. As far as Lawler, you know, and doing that show and being the 50th anniversary, was there? like a lot of people in the crowd, like how did that all go with, with them like letting attendance? Cause you know, if it was like a normal pre pandemic, I'm oh. guessing it would be a lot more people. I'm just going to Oh yeah. 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 That, that was, that was the only disappointing thing for me. But, but once again, uh, that's what I'm saying. They had to have social distancing, uh, in the stands. They had, uh, I, I'm not quite sure how many seats on the field itself, but but it was scattered out. It was it was spread out, and uh, uh, certainly they they could have filled that ballpark no problem pre pandemic no no doubt about it. And that that just ah that that was uh, that was a little disheartening, but but understandable at this at this point. So it was it and the people who were spread out. That that's why uh, when after our match and Tony started saying the Pledge of Allegiance, um, I looked around at the house, and uh, now this is, again, we're the second match, so there were people probably still coming in. I don't know. But but it was a decent-sized crowd. I, I, I couldn't give, it couldn't even guess at a number. Uh, but I think they were set up for 3,000, and the ballpark holds six, I believe, is, is the numbers I heard. And and they were they were spread out, but it looked like a a, a healthy crowd, a respectable crowd. So um, that was yeah. I I think any other time, and he had scheduled this before the 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 quarantine and the pandemic actually hit too. So it was scheduled for earlier this summer, I think uh, probably around August. And you know, the hoping that uh, hoping it would finally get done, but you know things being the way they are these days they weren't but you know uh i I don't know what you could have done different under the circumstances uh all the precautions were made i know bert was was working his ass off doing everything he could to make this a special night and he did and uh the guys who didn't appreciate it. I don't think would appreciate it anything, no matter what he did, because you know, again, I walked in the in the locker room on a couple of different occasions last night, and you know, the guys are talking, but it's it's a different kind of attitude. It was a different kind of uh, uh, feeling in there for me. And and but again, here I am. I'm talking about you know, I've, I I haven't seen guys like I haven't seen Tommy in a while. Hadn't, hadn't seen Doug in a little bit either. And, uh, you know, Doug brought his wife in, uh, with him, and have, she's very nice. Um, so it, it was good to see them rock and roll. I haven't seen Robert in a while, see Ricky here and there. But, you know, it was it, it's like we haven't 
Mr. B. And, and I, you hear that all the time, but it's true, man. It was like um, uh, we, we just talked, we had just seen each other the night before and, and picked up on old stories, we just picked up on old ribs. or And it was that genuine, deep-down laugh uh, and feeling of, man, you don't want to be anywhere else on earth right now. You, you want to be uh, right where you're at. And, and that was in the wrestling business, you know, and, and around people who loved it just as much as you did. And that's how I felt last night. There, there were, there were some uh, guys who had been in it uh, just as long as me, if not longer, Bill Dundee, my God, man, I saw him up on the uh, concourse you know, when we were signing, and here's a guy who who gave his life for this business and still loves it, still wants to be around it, and understanding that the world has changed, um, having to adapt. So uh, it, it, was, it was a great walk down memory lane, if you will, but uh, it, it it was also a, a, a cold reminder that man, you know, it ain't yesterday no more. That's for sure. And I think that is a perfect stopping point for this week's episode. Awesome to talk about that 50th anniversary show because it was star-studded beyond belief. And of course, I was you know talking about Road Warrior Animal and his unfortunate passing as well. But let's get to the plugs. Pro Wrestling Tees is a store open for the JPWA and for Dr. Tom Pritchard. Go to PWTs.com and get you a shirt today. Highly recommend getting the Wanted Dead or Alive tee. Awesome stuff. And also a Patreon page has been set up for the JPWA. You can become a patron and support them on Patreon. You can also go to the website, JPWrestlingAcademy.com. And, of course, Dr. Tom's book, A Pro Wrestling Curriculum, Advice, Suggestions, and Stories to Help the Aspiring Pro Get to the Next Level. Dr. Tom, where can they get this awesome book? You can get this awesome book at Amazon.com. Just type in Dr. Tom's book, or you can actually send $25 to at Dr. Tom Pritchard at uh, AOL.com uh, on my PayPal account. And I will send you a personally signed autograph book. So two ways you can get it. Awesome. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. You can follow Dr. Tom at Dr. Tom Pritchard. Now, do you have any other personal appearances? And what else do you got going on coming up? Uh, we have, of course, the fifth week of the JPWA training coming up uh, tomorrow, and looking forward to that, too. We have some uh, uh, very intense and, and talented people in this class, and uh, they, they've been doing really, really great and uh, moving right along. Some some people are finding out that uh, it's not what they thought it would be, but are enjoying it even more now that they've learned um, uh, how to enjoy the hard work that goes along with it. So uh, as of right now, uh, we are concentrating on JPWA. And uh, as the weeks go on, we will see what happens. Nice. Absolutely. I love it. And of course, thank you everybody for joining us this week for taking you to school with Dr. Tom Pritchard. See you next week, folks. 
Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.